This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Bergiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello out there, Disaster Nation, Disaster Divas. It is a time of disaster. We are more important than ever. It is me, your co-host, Jordan Cruciola. And it's me, Amanda Smith. And and it's a it's me, it's you, and it's a I don't know if I'm not gonna say friend of the pod, but I will say subject of the pod. Yeah. Dean Kane. I mean, it's sort of like saying that Hitler is a friend of World War II history. Like, no. Right. It's just that he played a prominent role in it. Exactly. That is exactly like, I'm not going to claim that friendship. No, no, no. In fact, I, having now, now that we've stomached this movie, and so a little bit of context, guys, we were supposed to record on Friday, June 24th. Wow. Um, And instead, the Supreme Court decided that Jordan and I uh, are incubators with no rights to basic medical care it's um crazy yeah so with that in mind um i'm gonna just put it out there full moratorium on dean kane from here on out we've seen two mm, dean okay seen enough Fair. dean kane at this point uh-huh yeah and he has added no value yeah dean kane yeah. and kevin sorbo can be done i think we're done and yeah. this isn't a cancellation. This is that consistently, yes, Kit, I agree. Consistently, their movies haven't just been bad. They have been uh, insufficient and lazy. You know what is nuts about this movie? I, Other than I, the, the tits? I had a blast. I was like, it ended and I was like, am I going to highly rate this movie? Really? What, what is... What is going on? You had a good time with this movie? It was, there was something about it that felt, and I say this not as a defense. Yeah. But it somehow, I think, became almost so, so laughable in so many boxes checked ways. It became a satire. And almost, and almost dead-on satire of making a shitty DTV disaster movie. Like, okay, the, that, that's, you, that, I can see that. I can, that. You could not, like, you even said the, the boobs were going to happen. You said it was Dean Cain fucks. I could never have been prepared for how that actually happens in this movie. One cannot be prepared for this, the moment when Dean Cain fucks in this film. no. Because there's it, no the there's way no it context, is it's bookended. Not- it the way the moment is bookended between like these two characters meeting, mm-hmm. arriving in a shower together, and then we like smash cut to the hmm. commanding officer of this military contingency that it's gonna go explore the frozen hinterlands of Germany to find out who is wielding the microwave laser weapon. Yeah. Uh, 
the like it cuts to him and he's like, that was great stuff. And it was like, wait a minute. Did this movie just comment on itself mm-hmm. in process? How many like Dean Kane, I think, had just had just talked about his likely dead wife and child. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. the in thing the that immediate lead in up. the scene prior to it, because we've just met, learned that he's going to go up there anyway because he wants to go see if his wife and child are alive or dead. Yeah, so he's going to go. So I guess we should ex- to explain, guys. Um, what this is this movie is called? Post Impact. Post Impact. I think it has an alternate title too that I almost started watching. It might. I don't. You know, a lot of these do. I don't. I. I only saw <laughs> Post Impact. Do. But just full context. This is basically Day After Tomorrow meets like Greenland. Um, yeah, I was. This is the. This is the worst possible Gerard Butler movie. Yeah, it's about like so a planet killer meteor asteroid hits the Earth. Um, Dean Kane and his wife and daughter are trying to flee, but then they end up getting left behind. Mm-hmm, We're now mm-hmm. in the future. All of Europe is under a nuclear winter. Everyone's supposedly dead. Yep. Um, and Dean Kane, there's, but there's a microwave laser that is striking planes out of the sky that can only be controlled from Berlin. That's so right. therefore it must be. And so it, it is either um, being controlled by the guy who invented it or it is being controlled by somebody evil associated with it. And so Dean Kane and the government decide to go back yeah. up to Berlin to try and like get control of this laser. But none of that really matters because all that matters is that this is a movie in which Dean Kane fucks a woman in a shower. And and there is a moment where Dean Kane says like this is pretty close to what it is, but he says something like there's only one weapon in the world that can cause that kind of damage a microwave laser and you're like wait what like there's only one thing i know of capable of that kind of damage a microwave laser it's like is that what you know is that what you know for sure captain tom parker you you know that that fucking niche made up ass weapon Mm -hmm. is the thing that definitely indisputably caused this damage yeah because we're dealing with one of those great cases of white hero exceptionalism where like yeah when we meet him he's kind of just a security guard i mean he seems like he seems like he's he's a security guard at a gala at a gala where where the 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 scientist dr gregor starndoff is there with his daughter anna did and you also, you, did it catch you by surprise to learn that was his daughter? Because I thought he was fucking her too. Yeah, I, I did. There was an affection there that was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is a, what I do feel like this is a great example of is surprise. This is an international co-production. Oh. This is an American German film. Ah. So we have, so it's like set in, like we're going to keep it, have it set in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Security guard lives in Berlin. Security guard Dean Kane lives in Berlin with his family. He's security guarding this gala at the instant that this like world leading scientist, Dr. Starndoff, is informed that like, hey, that meteor that's going to pass overhead, surprise, it is so off our calculations. <laughs> it's actually going to hit Earth soon. And everything's going to be annihilated. We get annoying 
um, over-eager scientist assistant Klaus Hinze. Yep. We get, we get, this movie gives us Dean Cain persistently mispronouncing things. Yeah, well, Dean Cain, you can't convince me that Dean Cain doesn't have his entire script just sounded out to him on audio tape and then he memorized. Like, it's a very Leah Michelle can't read kind of vibe that I get from Dean Cain. Because he, like, he call, he keeps calling, um because Klaus Hinze, mm-hmm. he keeps calling him just, like, Hints, but nobody else <laughs> does. He has a dog that is named Sasquatch mm-hmm. that he persistently calls by the short name Sauce? Sauce? Which is not short for Sasquatch, to the point where when he says the full name, he calls him Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was going to say benefit of the doubt. What? Like. I was going to say benefit of the doubt. I mean, God knows every pet that's ever existed has had 17 nicknames that have nothing to do with their names. Yeah. Like, that's why if he had been like, this is my dog Sasquatch. But I call him Muffin. Yeah. That would have been like, yeah, that's what people do with dogs. But just like calling him Sauce over and over again. Then going with Sasquatch is is pretty. This is Sasquatch. (laughs) (laughs) What? Dean Payne, are you suddenly German? Like, what is this? (laughs) And like the persistent joy of you know who you know who really wowed me in this movie the was, woman playing was, the villain no was Bettina Zimmerman the german actress who plays anna starndorf anna starndorf okay the daughter of the scientist who becomes the obviously love interest and counterpart of dean kane her <laughs> listening to she's fluent in English absolutely nothing wrong with her English but in like emotionally charged situations where you have to talk faster and you just gotta you gotta be rattling you gotta be like really in your primary language to to really be nailing the note it was listening to her like have to yell quickly in English was like listening to Idris Elba do Aaron Sorkin dialogue (laughs) In, oh God. in Molly's game. It was like, the lines are right. Your accent sounds fine, but we've hit the limit of your accent with what you're being asked to do, which is not your fault. Yeah, it's just not your, your, your mouth's not going to go with that speed no, to pronounce those sounds properly. Absolutely yes. not. And w- and when when John Keogh-Co, uh, who plays Klaus Hinsa, gets the chance to go full maniac bad guy at the end, he is flooring it. This is for worlds, Haley. Like, he is giving you everything in a mad scientist performance. I, in my notes in the beginning, have Hinsa is holding all the limes in this scene. (laughs) And I didn't realize how many more- every one of them. I didn't realize that we were just getting started. Yeah, exactly. By the end, he'd just be throwing limes left, right, and center because his arms are so full of all the limes. Yeah, he has eight arms juggling limes by the yeah. end of this movie. No, he is he is giving more performance than anyone has given in any of these movies, with the exception maybe of Stacey Keach. He has, he has, he, I think this is, I think him specifically, I think he's one of my favorite performances in any movie we've watched. yeah. He yeah, was, just he, he was because he was just so, going for it. Such a fucking clown. 
and he is, I think, Irish as well. So it is like it's really, he's he's just an angry Irishman with angry hair. And but like we're in Germany, and half the cast is German, and half of them are American. And like we get keep getting these terrible wide shots of CGI Arctic Berlin. Yeah, that are like this movie does feel like there is pretty persistent presence of disaster because the natural world is such a menace. But, like, you're getting Dean Cain, like, fucking the the lady military, like, second-in-command as soon as he meets her, intermittently talking about how, like, because he... (laughs) In a total Greenland situation, but yeah. Gerard Butler got himself off the fucking plane. Right. Gerard Butler did not let a man just punch him upside the head and knock him unconscious. Like he like it is like, okay, we've discovered the meteor, it's gonna hit. Yeah. And so they're like, we need to evac people. And so they start like sending out cargo planes filled with people. <laughs> Dean Kane goes to this base with his wife and daughter and it's like okay we're all gonna get on a plane then dean kane gets rushed onto a plane mm-hmm. and they then he's just trapped there and they can't they won't yeah. let him off and he's like but but my wife and he's like you're not getting off this plane it's like fucking shoot somebody like your wife and child are out there and instead he gets flown to safety and his wife and daughter are just left to freeze to death in germany I will say, by the way, what I found really striking was how the wife's response to realizing that the, that he's not coming, Dean Kane's not coming, was kind of just like a resigned, yeah, I saw this happening. <laughs> like, yeah. I do wonder about the state of their marriage at that point, because it very much, she does not seem surprised to realize that her husband has fucked up yet again, and yeah. she's going to be left to deal with it. Yeah. And that that's not even like totally a reasonable. And look, yeah, we're man haters. Like a hundred percent. Jordan yeah. and I will never yeah. give a man credit on this in this podcast. No. But this isn't even that. This is just when you watch her response, it's so resigned. And there's no like reassuring her daughter, like, no, daddy's coming back. There's yeah. none of those moments. So instead, you just really do get the feeling that no, she Dean Kane walked off and she's like, God damn it. He's getting he's on that fucking back. plane and he's not coming back. He's not coming back. Like she's, she has made her mind up about what's going to happen there. And I have to assume it's from context clues. I have to assume that <laughs> yeah. at this point. Yeah, they have a whole life we haven't seen. Yeah. Well, she we, knows. We, we get no time with the two of them of their marriage no. working in any way, shape or form. We just slam right into like Dean Kane is bad and close to hand to hand combat situations. And he, this, like the, the, the just like whirlwind of this like at one point we're in like the southern hemisphere i think and dean kane encounters i'm pretty sure it's anna it's bettina zimmerman and they Mm -hmm. meet in like an outdoor market and it's like they're talking about the apocalypse and basically have like a (laughs) come here often it's like you are expats in the southern hemisphere bonding over the family you had to leave behind in the meteor impact and you're just like oh is this where you buy your produce it is so fucking weird like i will counterpoint that tracks for me as a heterosexual person who tries to fuck sure tracks for me a hundred percent um because after a certain point like what are you gonna tell you know every single every single conversation i had with a guy 
from 2020 on was basically so what pandemic hobbies have you picked up and it's like i don't <laughs> yeah. want to talk about the shit that i picked start doing to deal with my terror and grief i don't want yeah. to oh it's our fun small talk now yeah i guess we'll just say that i got into gardening like yeah <laughs> that's we do adapt incredibly fast i think if we've learned anything from the last couple of years it's how quickly we can just like accept that chaos is normal yeah oh yeah so on the one hand that doesn't bug me as a meet cute. That doesn't bug me as sort of a setup, but one so poorly executed as so oh much of this God. movie just is shorthanded. You know, uh-huh. it's giving us that moment. It, it's telling us exactly what's on the surface while simultaneously being like, but you know what scene's supposed to go here. You've watched these movies before. Like yeah, it's yeah. that mix of things. That's why like, that's why we don't even get context for him having sex with the second in command. No. Because what we've gotten is the shorthand of she's a take no shit kind of woman. Yeah. She's second in command and she's eyed him up. So of course, naturally, when she shows up with completely naked in a communal shower, yeah. he's going to penetrate her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> naturally. That's just like connect the dots, people. But I think that sort of does speak to like the same way that the two of them having this meet cute in the market and they're discussing their dead families and their grief like that could be affecting and that could really work, except that here it's kind of just like, hey, we got to expose it. But also, you know, what's supposed to be happening. They're supposed to be having sparks because you're supposed to pretend to care that they're going to hook up eventually. Yeah. Um, Keep in mind, this is Anna is different than the woman he has sex with. Yeah. Anna, not that. Anna, not that character. There's a Madonna and a whore. She can't have one without the other, Jordan. Yes, that is Sarah Henley, the Mm -hmm. soldier lady, is the one he has sex with. Yes. Um, So there's the blonde soldier lady, and then there's brunette lady scientist. um, And then, of course, there's the gruff military leader guy, the colonel, who who Dean Cain and the colonel have, like, there's a vendetta against you. Like, they don't like each other to start. To start with. And then then the colonel colonel keeps him on the plane. And so then he hates him even more. When they, when they, when these, this group comes together, like when Dean Kane finds his way into the inner sanctum of the president of the United States. Sure. And brings his dog where mm-hmm. the dog urinates on the floor in a sight gag. It love, is just like, it. are we in a, are we in a cathedral? Like what the fuck lands, what the fuck space have we moved? This presidential, like I, that I loved personally. One of my favorite things about, movies is police stations in movies that are absolutely not police stations Mm. it's like are we in a church Mm -hmm. are are we in a nouveau office complex i love inappropriate police stations yeah like with a good totally inappropriate moroccan archways exactly totally (laughs) extremely gothic yeah architecture yeah it's all brick and there's like a gargoyle yeah, there's a gargoyle. Yeah. The coolest newspaper office ever is from like Batman 1989. Oh, yeah. Like, is this in the New York Public Library where it looks amazing? <laughs> I feel like so, you know, there's there was just a study that or there was like a not study. There was an article in I don't remember which thing it was. I just posted about it on Twitter about how like Gen Z wants to go back to the office. And then the, <laughs> it, it turns out that when you actually look at it, that's like, no, 
high school and college students, when asked what they're looking forward to with the workplace, say mm-hmm. that they're looking forward to c- building community and mentorship. Oh, and this uh-huh. article is now turning around to Gen Z wants to be in offices because they understand the value of community and mentorship. That is not and the same thing. It's not the same thing. And it's like, well, as, and as soon as they get into an office, they'll see that you get none of that. But that's beside the point. The point mm-hmm. is, is that I feel like those same Gen Z, like the same high school kids and college kids who want to go into the office because they think that there's community and mentorship also think that offices look like that. Yeah. yeah. Instead of just like, no, imagine the most depressing place that you could possibly take a standardized test. Yeah. Imagine abusive lighting. Yeah. Just have you ever wondered what a stranger's cough sounds like for eight <laughs> yeah. hours a day? At a distance. Yeah. Did you did you know all that there's a whole cacophony of mouth sounds that can be made? Wait till you join the office world. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's like it's that sort of a thing where it's like, well, that's this. Every police station should look like the YMCA that you went to twice. And instead, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And instead, they look like every classic college dining hall like yeah yeah malignant has an incredible police station where like it's like 50 foot ceilings and tall glass windows and like checkered linoleum floors (laughs) and then the prison the the jail cell itself looks like it's frozen in time from 1977 filled with miscreants from black exploitation films it's like yeah put annabelle wallace in there let's do it let's go fucking nuts man and like and speaking of malignant this movie it's fight it's scenes quite a quite are, a transition this movie's fight scenes are so fucking bad They're so bad they are catastrophically bad when he's having the knife fight oh at the end God. I was like, the thing that's stunning, I do want to stop just real quick before I get through a sentence because the idea keeps making me laugh. When you said 50 <laughs> foot glass ceilings, all I could imagine is that like in 10 years, someone's going to film and maybe this is what I will do one day, make uh, the Academy's uh, giant glass dome yeah. into an office for cops. Yeah, yeah just like like CGI walls into that and make no. it a police station. No, make it a it's just a hundred percent open air, open air, within like glass, uh, different glass dividing levels, and then a yeah. spiral staircase in the center. In Last Action Hero, the police station in there is a hundred percent the atrium of an office building. <laughs> yeah, like cops, lo- cops it's love like a natural black light. granite, and mm-hmm. they're like you go up a few steps to get to the second tier. It's like this is. Are we in the foyer of CAA? What is this? Is actually, is is Last Action Hero a Fox movie? That is a question that I can answer. Last Action Hero. It is, let's find the, it's a, it, it's a John McTiernan movie. So yeah. I feel like that ups the odds. Yeah. It is a Columbia Pictures <gasps> movie. Oh, there. Okay. Because my guess was going to be that it was in the Death Star, which is the uh, Nakatomi Towers. Oh, okay. Which, uh, like another famous John McTiernan movie. Yeah, exactly. Nakatomi. Nakatomi yeah. Towers. So I was thinking it was not because. So when I went, God, this is so far afield from how bad of a stunt actor Dean King <laughs> yeah. is. But real quick, one of those like real rare moments I get to have like a fun anecdote from my brief period working at Fox. But when I was an assistant at right. Fox, I had to do. I did one run ever over to Rupert Murdoch's office. Wow. Okay. And like I had, I had to run tape over there and 
you like and first it's weird you're going through the lobby of nakatomi tower mm-hmm. and just like oh yeah that's where the guard got shot that's where the guard got shot yeah. i remember this whole sequence then you take the elevator up and then you end up on a black granite endless hallway it felt like wow. loud quiet you can hear your feet Ooh. And then there's, I just remember there be, I remember, I don't remember anything about how the secretary was set up, but in my head, it's like Mad Men style, just yeah. desk, uh-huh, uh-huh. which isn't accurate. And I know it, but it, it is, but like spiritually it is spiritually it is. But I just remember the whole time, how loud my feet were walking on this like endless feeling hallway. Mm-hmm. It is exactly how you would expect. Like, I just could not get over how much yeah. Rupert Murdoch's office floor looks exactly like you'd expect Rupert Murdoch's office floor to look right. like. It's like that alienating and that isolating. Yeah. And it's surreal because then you're like, am I in a movie about Rupert Murdoch, the evil? Like, you yeah. then start being like, this is how you would set design his office floor. So, yeah, yeah it's it was a so anyway, that is why I was thinking maybe it was Nakatomi Tower. But going back to the original thing, Dean Kane. Yeah. Holy shit, for a man who played Superman on television, presumably had to do stunts and fight sequences. Yeah. I don't know, Jordan, if I bet you and I could recreate that fight sequence and make it look more believable. I it was like it was like Dean Kane had a had a clause in his contract <laughs> that said, like, I will not raise my arms above my shoulders. <laughs> like, I refuse to do anything that might even <laughs> threaten to strain a single (laughs) muscle in my body it is like it's so nothing that it's like he refused to not even like in danger but like he refused to like exert himself to any degree because it is so mealy-mouthed and so fucking weird it is on par with if Harrison Ford had tried to that day apocryphally actually have the sword fight with the guy in the middle of the square while filming Raiders. It that is how bad that fight looks. It looks like Dean Kane fighting in this movie looks like they have cast a fragile 90-year-old man. <laughs> and they want to be careful with him mm-hmm. just like this. In yeah. order to, so to make sure he doesn't get hurt, except he's Dean Kane. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just mentally, I'm just thinking about Tom Cruise sitting off to, on top of the Burj Khalifa. My God. Compared to Dean Kane having this fight. <laughs> yeah. Like Tom Cruise liquefying his ankle, jumping from one building to the next with a harness on, finishing the shot because he knew it was over for him after that moment. Taking six months to heal and then coming back and being like, I don't need a stunt double. Like, I know I, I, your terrifying insurance nightmare (laughs) just shut down production for half a year because I needed to get better. I'm doing it again. I'm doing all of this again. Versus Dean Kane. There's Dean Kane and (laughs) post-impact. Dean Kane. Dean Kane in post impact is such a fucking loser that it's just like it is it is it's amazing how it feels it's like wow do you really get a call shots like this do you really get a call shots mm-hmm. like this being the the guy you are in this niche of movies it's amazing that they couldn't make him do more well and I think that's that's I I I mean 
maybe he was pretty, maybe he had, he was an EP. Maybe this was his thing. Maybe like it's a little too. It's I don't know. I want to say like it's it too is climate. a two thousand and four movie. Uh, for whatever that is worth in the <sighs> scope of Dean Cain. Uh, well, Superman check- had ended by the by the late nineties, yeah. but like we're not far off the era. Like we're we're getting far, but we're not yet far off the era of Lois and Clark. Somehow the man still has enough cachet to be like, I'm gonna tell you that I'm not doing a fucking thing for this movie that I star in. Yeah, I mean maybe this was one of his first. That we didn't I didn't look up where this was in his filmography. That's a really. I, I I'm gonna pull up I'm gonna pull up the tape right now by the by the early 2000s get out of here get out of here notifications by the early 2000s like yeah. Dean is already prolific it seems he was in the late that was the year he was in the Lacey Peterson story oh, oh. okay so here's where we're dealing with at this point so yeah he was in the Lacey Peterson story which was kind of like a mix of a joke and also people were kind of like, wow, Dean Cain's trying. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then there was also, he was also in Las Vegas for the, I guess, year that existed. Okay. Oh God, no. It was on NBC for five years? That was on for five years? Las Vegas was on for five years. That is shocking. That is so shocking to hear. That, what's bananas about it being on for five years. It was on from 03 to 08, Jordan. So this is like prime television time when yeah. you and I are watching the hell out of television. Yeah. And there's a monoculture. Yeah. And it, it ended into February 15th, 20, 2008. So this must have been a strike victim. Oh, wow. It could have gone longer. <laughs> it could have gone longer. Because, yeah. By because the strike was 07. And wow. so everything that it, it affected that season, because that was when Lost. I mean, this was concurrent with Lost. This movie feel this movie preceded the strike, but this movie feels like it was written by people who crossed the picket line in the writer's strike. I mean, I think that's fair to say that this was not done in union. <laughs> no, yeah, oh, definitely. A, I don't think there was a single person who had ever been in a union anywhere on this set, is I it, think it, a fair, except for actors union. Yeah, it feels it feels like this is, this is, if you imagined a world where the writer's strike just kept going for years, everything would feel like this. This would be what television and film turned into yeah. if if the writers never made a deal like that we would be it would be full idiocracy and this would be prestige tv i think that's i, I think that's a fair assessment <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, it it is a movie that is trying to do something i just it is, at no given time understand what they get we haven't even touched upon the fact that they end up with a disaster child they of course they end up with a they end up with a uh, a silent disaster child because mm-hmm. they 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 make their way through Berlin in their like ice ice tanks that uh are rendered that are destroyed by a militia that they encounter and once they take to the tunnels they find a subterranean community and there is the tragic moment where they're like 
we're here looking for the doctor. And they're like, oh, the doctor, he's in the greenhouse. And they're like, have you come to rescue us? And Dean Cain's like, no. And then everyone kind of like, yeah, deflates. And you're like, wow, yeah, no, no one's coming for them. And it, and it's just like, hey, people, we need your help. We're going to show up here. We're not going to provide you any supplies, any respite. We're not going to get you out of here, but we need your assistance. And they just march through this fucking subterranean community where they find the silent child who becomes like Dean Kane's companion because he gives over like his dog and is like, take care of sauce for me while I'm looking for the doctor. And when we find the doctor, he's now blind in a wheelchair, yeah. living in an arboretum. Yeah. Well, as you do when you live down in the tunnels. <laughs> yeah. And he's I... inside. He's under like a glass roof. It's a greenhouse. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, well, like you've found, like life has found a way here. Yeah. Like you have produce here. You like, you people are taking care of each other here. It's kind of actually a pretty sustainable community underground. Yeah, it's not ideal, but it's worth it. I did not, as much as we were supposed to be like, wow, those ragamuffins and sad. (laughs) How sad. In their tattered clothes, which, okay, we've been told at this point that several billion, like several billion of the world's population have died. Yeah. There's tons of clothes in a lot of houses now. Yeah. If you survive in these circumstances, actually, once the like the biggest problem with a nuclear winter is food but you well, got tons of and it's ha- not even nuclear right so there's it's not, there isn't uh there isn't radioactive fallout right it's just we're just dealing with with the atmosphere with the yeah, with climate apocalypse. The climate apocalypse basically because of the asteroid but i'm which will you just have to ride that out like yeah. that's that is you just need to keep survive long enough to ride it out and given yeah you're not going to have systems in place you're not going to have power electricity any of that shit but like god knows there's enough batteries over at the corner store that you should be set for a while yeah and you're you've clearly found a way to create gardening conditions yeah so you can you have fresh foods now and then you yep. supplement it with canned goods yep there's no shortage of water because you've got a lot of snow everywhere yeah like, it sucks for them but given that this is now supposed to be several this is a good amount of time out from the initial impact. Yeah. We're a couple years removed now. I think we're like three years. Yeah. it's It's been a long time, which also like, fuck you all governments for nobody figuring out a way any sooner to get someone up there. Nobody. But that's whatever. I don't come for me at that point. Like that, yeah. you guys, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a part of your world anymore. Yeah. Fuck you. I'm over it here is- scavenging like sex shops to find more batteries. They're not, they're, they're in a, the way this movie re- presents them, they're not in a dramatically worse position than the like growing in like new indigenous the, communities yeah. in La Brea. Like, yeah. well, You've created an agrarian society. Like, you don't have, like, modern medicine, stuff like that's going to be scary. But you can you can feed and shelter everyone Mm -hmm. and you make clothes. Congratulations. You've made the building blocks of, like, a sustainable culture. Yeah. And if you have existing infrastructure to build off of, even easier. Like, they have subway tunnels that can keep them a little warmer. And there's, like, yeah. Come on. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, like. It doesn't, like, when I, I, I don't want to be in their situation, but when I was right. seeing them, I was like, this isn't so bad, actually. That's, that's the only thing. Like, it, they looked as if they, it had just happened, 
and they were just they were just a little grimier than I think <laughs> yeah. they would have been at that point. Um, but you know, again, this movie just was all about just shorthanding it. So that was like, well, you get the point. They're miserable because they're underground. They're mole you, people. You you want to hear about the most harrowing movie I've ever seen? Do do I? <laughs> it like, recently played at uh the uh American Cinematheque series of theaters here in LA, the uh-huh. uh Los Feliz 3 and the Arrow. They did a special called Bleak Week. Oh. It was 2 weeks of the most bleak cinema imaginable. And I went with my dear friend Vivian, who is my fucked up movie pal. Like her stomach and desire for the most horrible things that cinema has to offer is un unsatiable and insatiable and uh we went and saw the first we went and saw a double feature that night first double feature first we went and saw solo or the 120 days of sodom which is the pierre pasolini film about a group of libertines in italy after world war ii who take in who kidnap 20 teens and early 20-somethings and put them through a series of the most horrible, degrading, torturous experiences they can for the duration of the film. That's the movie. Famously, famously fucked up movie. After Uh Solo came Threads. And Threads is an ultra-real what-if presentation of it's from like the mid 80s of what if there was a nuclear holocaust what if it happened Mm. and it is it focuses on one town sheffield england Mm -hmm. and what would happen beat by beat if Mm. the missile started flying and it like at the end of it like it basically gives you a tiktok of what would happen and it spares nothing in its gory brutality of the immediate impact and everything that comes in. It's called threads because of like the interweaving threads that bind our society together and what happens when they come apart. Also and it what happens to the your only DNA reason with I bring this up. Exposure. The only reason I bring this up is because like this, like you're watching, you're like the, the mole people seem mostly fine. At the end of this movie, like it has a whole credits like part in the in in the end credits where it's like we would like to thank all of these scientists. One of them is Carl Sagan. All of these scientists who we consulted with to make this as real as possible to extrapolate out the nuclear winter future. And man, I think we jump 13 years into the like we don't jump. We work 13 years into the future after impact. Never gets better. it never gets better everything gets more horrible everybody gets worse they just get used to it and like at one point like our our kind of main character is pregnant when the when the the impact happens and she has her baby and then we grow up with that baby a bit and when by the time the baby is like of speaking age you start noticing you're like is that we walked to the theater i was like that is was she speaking english or did did the child character develop a sort of non-verbal grunting form of communication and she looked she was like I don't remember like I didn't really realize that and she looked it up after and it like the young people it it, it, the population degenerated at a certain point to just start communicating in the most primitive ways possible having been like too traumatized to perpetuate language 
So seeing the mole people a couple years out from the strike, I was watching. I was like, listen, I've seen threads. These people are staying at the fucking they're staying at a Las Vegas resort right now. These people are in the penthouse at the Palms. These people, they're living high on the horse. Threads, come. you come to me when Dean Cain has to go into threads and get out the scientist, man. You did this to yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah. We walked out and Vivian was like, I didn't think it could get worse than Solo. Like, I didn't, my imagination didn't actually allow for it to be worse than Solo. Uh-huh. And she was like, that is the worst thing I've ever seen. And, and we were just like, we were so quiet walking out of the theater. And she she eventually, she told me recently that she was on a, th- a Reddit thread. She goes to strange places on Reddit. And there was some like thread. It was like, what's the most depressing movie you've ever seen? And there were so, she was like, I'd never talked about the movie before. I'd never heard of the movie before. But there were so many people in, the th- in this reply thread being like, threads. You've got to find threads. And the main, the original poster was like, what is this? threads movie you guys keep talking about i can't find it anywhere and like we of course saw it in some like rare archival print from the middle of nowhere or some fucking archive or institution but yeah guys if you want to see a real post-impact movie threads i just want to be clear we are never watching that for this no (laughs) we will never i will never go there again amanda will never go there for the first time is so anathema to everything that I enjoy about the f- experience of being in the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I completely. This is not like people spontaneously catching fire from their feet up because the ge- geological moves are so intense that the, everything's going to burn people alive. This is like woman walking through shelled out street looking yeah. at like a, a woman covered in blisters and fifth degree burns holding her infant dead infant despondently and just like looking straight to camera yeah no i think that pandora's box is as close as we're gonna get to that level of bleak i mean that that yeah was the emotional really, I, I feel like that is the emotional yeah. floor yeah for the podcast well hold be. on we don't have we haven't done the quake yet and i don't know if the quake is i've heard that the quake is rough i mean the, the wave was rough. tough the quake is rough. Yeah. Particularly would... one moment in particular I'm still angry about. Oh. Uh, but great movie. Yeah. I mean, it's, so... you know, the, the wave and the quake. It's a great tandem. Yeah. So the, it, I, I would say that was. I promise it's no threads. It's we wouldn't get. I, I got I have gotten five minutes into a movie and been like, I'm out. I'm done. You would have gotten a very the same way that I texted you about Velocipast. I was like, no, this mm. is not right for us. Yeah. Yeah, I would have texted you, but like, absolutely, what the, f- no. It, the, I, I, there was, a, I think one of the most fascinating parts of it was um, there, in like Shin Godzilla, it's amazing, like bureaucracy horror, bureaucracy disaster horror. And in this one, like the, the official, like the bureaucracy of, of Sheffield is funneled into like this one bunker because they're going to be the ones who are going to keep society on track. And they end up getting trapped underground. Hmm. and they're like chain smoking in this enclosed space They're They have quite a bit of rations because like they're the important people. Right. And like, they're just like constantly on the phone, t- hearing problems, solving nothing, being like, who's going to get us out of here? No one's like, you have to come for us. And just like deteriorating until like we do a sort of jump forward in the future. And at one point, like there's like scavenger crews going around and they excavate out 
the bureaucracy bunker and everyone's just fucking dead. They all just like in there in their their like button downs and ties thinking that they were like going to be the glue that kept this shit together. And they're like yelling at other governments on the phone like their jobs fucking matter. And they're all just dead on their desks. Yeah. Well, that's that's fucking bleak, Jor. (laughs) So, yeah. Double feature night, guys. Post-impact and threads. <laughs> I could actually, as you were saying the thing about the how useless Sheffield was like, and the government being like important and then not actually being helpful, and it did, I could tie that back to the fact that we had these people up in Europe that the new U.S. government or new mm-hmm. world government had yeah. established was like, well, there's no one who's up there. We would know by now. Yeah. Like, Did you send people? Like, Anybody. what have you been Did doing? You send- Did you and they're like, we can't, we can't get an expedition up there. It's like Dean Kane and his dog have gone eight times. Yeah. He like, the hasn't ice got guy. as far as he needs to because like he keeps being stopped, but like he has penetrated mostly this made it. zone eight times or something. And you with literally any equipment can't get there at all. What the fuck, man? Yeah, no, it was it it was very much a bullshit kind of well, but we can't until now. And (laughs) just, you know, to short again, shorthand it that now they've got these two, you know, the Indominator like trucks and they're going to. Yeah, Indominator style trucks. Yeah, but I we we got sidetracked from the disaster child, which was the original thing. Right. Yeah. Which is that they kind of just end up with like the the more people give them to give her to them as a gift yeah. like he watched she watches the dog a little bit yeah with while well, dean kane goes and s- saves people and then saves, he- saves people slash uh puts uh a, uh bettina's uh doctor father who she's reunited reunited with after so many years yeah uh in the line of fire and he gets shot and dies he does yeah that does that does happen because he has like he has he has like an ex-military guard group that like keeps the peace and civility who's actually double crossed him and is now working for hinsa mad scientist who is controlling the microwave laser that is carrying out attacks at various places across the globe that is obviously going to, he's meaning to use it for like leverage and power to get like money. No, yeah. For nefarious purposes. Yeah. Nefarious as purposes. one does. He goes full Joker. And I really did enjoy yes. that. Like the entire performance could be Mark Ham. It could be, was it John Bowie, David, John David Bowie? In which you know one? that The, there's an, no, you know, in which movie? No, no uh, he's not. He's a TV actor. He oh, was on uh, he was on Speechless and I just I don't know his name because I, I don't know what he it's, is. I don't know. God, now I got to look it up. Hold on. I'm panicking. I didn't think this through all the way. But like, is there any is there any detail about the show that we know? Well, the show I said was Speechless, speechless. but that was John Ross Bowie. That's Great. his name. OK, hold on. I know I'm going to give it to you, though. Um, he was on Big Bang Theory. Great. What what good is he in this conversation? What is the he point of this? Is that going back? So the point is, is that is John Ross Bowie. John Ross Bowie. It's John Ross Bowie doing a really bad Joker impression by a guy who is neither of those people. Yeah. And so it again, surely is. It truly neither of those people, neither of those <laughs> things. 
And he's just going full limes. Um, yep, all of them. Yeah, just to be nefarious, though. That yeah. was the that was. I did not need more from him, and in fact, maybe needed less complications on that end of the plot. Mm, there were complications. Yeah, and I don't even know that I needed those complications on the plot because it was so stupid and so pointless. Well, that- what ends up being what ends up being the great reveal mm-hmm. is that the woman that Dean Kane had sex with, the military lady, she's a mercenary. Yeah, who is wants to sell the weapon to the highest bidder. So she does she kill Hinsa? Yeah, she does. Yeah, she, she kills, kills Hinsa. Yeah. And she's like, my laser now, motherfucker. And she's getting Bettina Zimmerman to, like, hack into the laser to reroute it for her own nefarious purposes. And there's a moment where Bettina's kind of like, I think she says something like, she's like, what if you don't, what if they don't pay? What if you get what you want? She's like, fuck it. I don't care. It's like, oh, you're just, so your alternative is either, like, I'm going to get paid money or nihilism. Yeah. Like, she truly does not care. There is no higher villain purpose. Even there's not even like, fuck you. I'm going to get my money. She's like, I don't give a shit. Like, oh, well. What's funny is that like she kind of to me because of that red. Like that was a a character that I actually was like, oh, yeah, I know that. I know who that character is. It was not surprising to me. She had no ideology. Sure. Not because she's a character who chose to have no ideology, but because she kind of just seems like the kind of character whose entire motivation is. The presence of money makes me horny. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. The presence of danger makes me horny. And those two (laughs) things are her big motivating things in life. Yeah. And I think that's entirely why when it's like, what happens if they don't give you the money? It's just Mm. like the programming ends. Yeah, that's it. There's just, that's it. Like there's the screenwriter. We hit the Westworld loop and we just do it all over again. Exactly. Yeah. She just kind of like stops and she reboots and yeah. then she strips naked again and tries yeah, to enter a shower. Yeah, she has sex with the closest person to yeah. her. It's just, she just runs straight through it again. So that is, that aspect of her, I was almost just like, yeah, sure, man. <laughs> yeah, sure, man. Like, I'll be resigned to that. Like, more so than I was, Hinsa made less sense to me in terms okay. of why he was doing what he was doing than she did, only because... I am so used to that being a shitty, boring character trope already. <laughs> you know, yeah, versus that's understandable. Yeah, but yeah, and so that's when when this when all that goes down, and then you know, hot lady, hot blonde, sexy woman yeah. holds Doctor Lady Scientist at gunpoint and is making her do this, and then yeah. she's got and Dean Kane has and like then the worst the, like, fight, worst least, fight sequence, least dramatic least compelling exchange of gunfire ever. It's like you had every opportunity to get out of her way, Dean Kane, but instead you've been shot multiple times. Yeah. It was just, I mean, he got, he got shot in the leg. Like (laughs) it should be much more difficult for him to be moving. That is not going to be easy, but he still doesn't sell any of it. No, he doesn't sell any of it. And then we even get a like, Surprise, bitch. Mm-hmm. You you thought you'd seen the last of me. Like, they discover that the microwave laser can actually have its particle beam redistributed such that if they broaden mm-hmm. the surface area of where the laser hits, it can actually work as just like a microwave to the earth. Like, it can, it can heat patches of the earth to, you know, perhaps make it more viable again. They're going to de-ice the planet. Yeah, they're going to de-ice the planet. And as Bettina says, like, oh my God, like the calculations actually work. Like this could, this could really, this could really save humanity. 
And so we, you know, we've had the exchange of gunfire. We've had the tepid knife fight. And then it's like, well, we've got to do this thing up in the hardwiring with the laser hub. And so you go up there and do that while I do the coding down here. So Dean Kane goes up into the rafters and guess what? That woman's not fucking dead. Bad lady is not fucking dead. And That's... then we get a fight in the rafters yep. and up in the catwalks. And Dean Kane finally throws bad guy soldier lady to her death. And then the in in the disaster movie Rite of Passage, Dean Kane and Bettina Zimmerman inherit the child. Yeah, I so I'm glad as I told I told Jordan before we started recording, um, because I had watched this movie June 20th maybe yeah, I watched so it like ago. almost a week and I I watched it early before our recording too like I was yeah. worried I was watching it too far before we were supposed to record <laughs> yeah. and it's now July 13th and I decided when I was like fuck I don't know how much this movie I remember anymore I'm not gonna commit to watching it again though no nah. and it just wasn't worth it to me and I kind of was like well I'll figure it out as I go along um and there's some notes that I still am not 100% clear on what I was thinking at the time <laughs> He has a ninja army, I think was referring to Hintz's like mercenaries. Yeah, that seem, must be like, the mercenary ninjas. squad. Yeah, so I, he, oh, it was when they broke into the um, atrium. Oh, Because okay. they were like, they were fucking ninjas in that scene. Yeah, and that, they completely fucking destroyed the greenhouse. They just tra- unnecessarily trashed yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in my notes, I have, what is she, the Terminator? Yeah. And I, because I had completely forgotten that they then have to go up onto the roof to do uh-huh. this because that's such an anticlimactic fight. After oh, the it shooting. so is. It so is compared to the three-way fight and then she's got the knife and Team Kane can barely dodge the knife. Like, yeah, that is a dramatic, a fairly dramatic sequence on the sliding scale. On the sliding scale. That she doesn't die in that sequence and she comes back and then she has, like, we see her roadkill on the yeah. floor. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's a vicious... It is a vicious reveal of look at this bitch earned it. Yeah. It's it's ugly. Um, It's ugly. Yeah. And then they end up and then they the. And then they confirm. So they do adopt the disaster child. Not the most important ending to this film. Oh, they find this is this movie is like, well, we've had two endings. You want to talk a bleak ending. He's now made out with this woman and then he takes her home. And they discover. And when we say home, we mean his family's home in Berlin, where he's like either gonna find his his wife and child alive, or he's gonna find their fucking corpses. Yep. So we find corpsicles. And he like goes over and tucks them in because they're like cuddled up on a bed. He finds the death note. Mm -hmm. He finds the like last missive she ever wrote that's like, it's getting so cold. Uh, I, we have to cuddle for warmth. I'm going to go hug our baby. Basically being like, I know we're about to die and I'm going to go hug mm-hmm. my child while it happens. And then he walks into the bedroom and finds the like mounded blankets where his wife and little daughter fucking froze to death yep. with his new wife and little daughter standing in the doorway. It's, it is such a weird and unnecessary moment in a yeah. weird and unnecessary movie. But yeah, when he like gets comforted by his new, by the new woman. While he is slumped over the corpses. Yeah. Of, his of the dead. family he left behind. Yeah. Who he has been intermittently talking about and completely ignoring as he flirts with multiple women on this odyssey. Mm-hmm. Because remember, 
he fucks a woman in a shower. <laughs> right after he talks about desperately wanting to find his wife and child. You know, grief makes people horny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm told. And then it's not over yet. Because then they go outside oh, and the yeah. microwave, the dispersed microwave laser already working. Clouds parting. Surface warming. It took an hour. I'm honestly surprised that we didn't get a six months later and they're standing on that same balcony like as a happy family. And yeah, we just have to like assume. Blooms everywhere. Yep. Vibrant Berlin bustling yep. on the street below. You're so right. I'm like, I if this movie had had just $10 more in the budget, I think we would have gotten that moment. Just yeah. to remind us that like, it's okay. Dean Kane moves on. He continues to fuck. Like, this is fine. Yeah. 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 She would be holding a new baby and their <laughs> yeah. little surrogate fake, their little like surrogate like child, their fake yeah. family. It it would be a whole thing. It would it would be and and uh, and happily ever after. Earth mm-hmm. warmed uh one but fucking baseball diamond at a time by yeah. the microwave laser. And yeah, we did it, guys. Dean Kane did it. Congratulations. Dean Kane and his dick. I feel like this is a good send-off for Dean Kane content. Yeah. On the podcast. I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. You might need to remind me occasionally that we've banned them them both because <laughs> I will forget these things. Yeah, that's fair. Um, But yeah, no. Farewell. Is... Put them on a Viking pyre and just send them out. Yeah. And we will we will fire a flaming arrow into into that floating pyre. Mm hmm. I will. Say, this is an utter. This again is unrelated to post impact. But Amanda, I watched piranha 3 double d yes so what in the future time when we get to piranha 3 double d looking forward to covering that oh i'm so glad you watched it yeah i had no idea danielle panabaker was in it one yeah. of my low-key faves oh interesting did not know she, that yes she She's... is the epitome of the goddamn girl next door yeah so cute i'm happy to see her every time i see her and uh, yeah, looking forward to discussing yeah. uh, exploitation once again in the form of Piranha. There is nobody who is more meant to be in those movies than David Koechner. So no, it's, like no, the man was just bred in a lab for that. Yep, hundred percent. Uh, yeah, perfect. it is of his essence. Mm-hmm. It's a. It's just. I'm so glad you watched it. Yeah, we'll have to get. We'll have to get that one. Add that. I put that into like the upcoming pending rotation. Yeah, I gotta be honest, Jordan. Uh, what is this movie really about? Yeah, I got nothing. It was so long. You know, it was you know it was about is about support abortion funds. That's all I got. Yeah, right. like I that's, got that's yeah. that's what this movie is really about. Don't choose Don't, Dean Cain. Donate motherfucking abortion funds. Donate in, in Dean Cain's name. Just yeah, you know, in his honor mm-hmm. that this inspired you. But that's yeah, I've got no. There's nothing that this movie was about beyond the fact that we need to support abortion funds. Yeah. Um, and. Would you fantasy cast it? Nah. Yeah. I mean, this is like, again, put this movie can just be put on a pyre. We could have. The thing that's funny is that it, it's trying a little bit to do the day after tomorrow thing. Yeah. But it, and it, cause it's, and it's failing. Uh huh. And not in the way that these sort of the mockbusters fail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not like, cause it's just not kind of, it's not doing enough of anything uh-huh. to be anything. So, I think, yeah, just throw it all in a pyre. Where are you rating it? You said you enjoyed. I'm going to give this movie three and a half stars. Okay. Three and a half towering infernos. Because I, I, it held my interest the entire time. I was laughing the entire way through it. 
All right. I was laughing the entire way through this. I I feel like if you want a movie that is taking itself seriously, but does still feel like a parody, uh, this is, I think, a prime time example of that. That I'd say actually a really great argument for it. Yes. And it is, again, an American-German co-production show up for the little German accents. Uh, what a <laughs> kick. What a kick. But Bettina Zimmerman, you did your goddamn best. She tried. Yeah. She tried with what she was given. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. And hey, I I love the effort. I love the effort from crazy clown ass Klaus Hinza, John Kyo Kyo Ko. Um, I apologize, sir. I don't know how to pronounce your name. Uh, but yeah, there are it, it is worth it for like the the sum the whole is not like greater than the sum of its parts. Is that what the, the turn of phrase is? It is this movie is a collection of parts. Yeah. Okay. Watch for the collection of parts. All right. I'm gonna go lower. I'm yeah. going one and a half. Okay. Uh, none rational. Of that, rational none of that salvage it for me. Yeah. None of that none of it salvaged it for me. It was not it Fair. was not a good time. I just it, like and it wasn't a bad time. It was just like, ugh. It this was is, simply a time. Yeah. I've been recently rating things relative to how much I would rather be watching an equal amount of episodes of Bluey. Bluey, your Bluey rating scale. My Bluey, my personal Bluey rating scale. And like, yeah, I would have rather have devoted 90 minutes. That's 10 episodes of Bluey, man. Mm-hmm. I would have 100% rather done that than watch this. Yeah. So, yeah, got to go one and a half. Well, that means we have a respite on the horizon. Oh, thank God. At last. We return back. To the surface. Surface. We return to haughty scientist Lake Bell. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see Nim again. I I can't wait to see that tiny, cute uh, dino companion. Yeah. And also maybe Leighton Meester in, like, four polo shirts. I would love to see Leighton Meester in an impossible amount of layered tank tops and polos. That would be the best. I bet you we're going to get more of that. I don't know for oh. I don't know for sure how many episodes she was in, but we're getting at least one more of Leighton Meester wearing just Hollister's finest. I just got to say, shouts out in the name of Leighton Meester to Leighton Meester featuring... On the Cobra Starship song, Good Girls Go Bad. Oh, yes. That is, that is, that is just, this is, that is in like the thick of Gossip Girl time. So it's post-surface. She's not yet harnessed her, her, uh, Leighton Meester power. Yeah. But I feel so convicted that that is one of the greatest features on a song of all time. Oh, she, without, she makes that song. Because it is, it is, it is utterly, as a pop presence, Leighton is deeply fine but if you can be that good while just being fine you have flexed you have been like guess what I'm a karaoke night out and I'm doing a decent job but you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna be the fucking rug that brings the room of this song together that is some magician shit that is pure charisma that is pure panache I put that song on anytime and I'm like I'm having a good time but when we hit the latent feature in the middle, I am, it's euphoria from there on out. <laughs> My God. It's, it is, I would, I would absolutely agree. It is a top feature. Of, oh. I cannot, 
you I'm not saying it's one of the great vocal performances it. of all time. No. I'm saying it is one of the most perfectly placed and deployed features yeah. on a track ever. I have Jordan. I I don't think that's a controversial statement. <laughs> Thank you. I don't Thank think you're you. going to like if you said that on Twitter. I think that you would get a large number of people agreeing with you, and then At some least people. A who, lot of gay people. A lot of gay people, <laughs> yeah. and like. I think most of millennials' Twitter would be like, yeah, until, well, let me refuse that. Most of, like, white millennials' Twitter would yeah, say, Yeah, it's very Yeah, best. and then it would seep outward to, like, l- other parts of t- Twitter, to, like, leftist Twitter who would get all weird about it. Yeah, always. Yeah, and then you would, it would like, so once it, le- it leaves our bubble, it yeah. would become less. <laughs> Less agreed upon. Yeah. But I think that if you said this on Twitter to our corner of Twitter. Yeah. It would be a fairly agreed upon statement. Yeah. If you're somebody who follows me because of what the things that I say about Yellow Jackets and Jennifer's body, you're going to agree with me about this. Right. It, it, to, a de- to a certain degree. It would be as if if you went onto Twitter and said Josie and the Pussycats is an underrated movie. It, it would t- be like, completely. wow. Edgy take, Jordan. It, at that point, I would just be fishing for likes. Yeah. That's like, if you want cheap likes on the internet, everybody, just thirst post about Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart w- Twitter will find you, and they will run up your numbers. So, in the same vein, I feel that maybe saying that Leighton Meester's feature on the Cobra Starship Good Girls Go yeah. Bad. Yeah, exactly. Feel, yeah, I feel like it's not a risky statement for you. In no. this particular little environment within. No, I'm not. I'm side. not. Uh, I'm not making people question their decision to participate with my internet presence at that point. Question yeah. that question's already been answered. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. But surface. I'm we so return to, to surface, surface episodes two and three. No, no three, three and four. And four. Three, three and four. We did three one and, two. and four. Yes. For next episode. So next episode will be episodes three and four. Um, and you know. Ongoing goal, guys. We want one of the Pate brothers or both of the Pate brothers. That's right. We That's need an right. answer. We need answers from them about what the fuck was going to happen on surface. Amanda needs a series Bible. I need the series Bible, you guys. Yeah. I need everything they gave to NBC to pitch it. I want I want to be the prof- I want to be the professor of surface by the time this is over. Yeah. So make Amanda again. the 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 Jennifer's body scholar of surface. Oh, my God. Yeah. Seminars, Q&As. I, mean, I was aiming for that with the core, but I might I might double master on this one. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, yeah, you know, my my main my main focus is the core. But you know, I did yeah. minor in television studies surface uh, yes. specifically with an emphasis in surface, <laughs> the specialty <laughs> in surface. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So that's so call you guys disaster divas. Remember to rate us, to review us, and to yeah. see if you can stalk the Pate brothers legally. Yeah. Not through actually stalk. reasonable, like, social media channels. Yeah. Like, we're t- when I say stalk, I don't mean the act of stalking. I mean, like, be as if you are a stalk of grass flowing yeah. about through the winds of information. Mm. Um, you know, but the point being... Get us that connection, guys. Yeah. In the meantime, though, Jordan, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U. And then 
Uh, Ots Pod on its way back. Botcast recently wrapped for season one. And Feeling Seen Pod coming out every week. So go find all the podcasts. Feeling Seen is so great. I listened to a lot of it on my road trip. Fantastic pod, George. I thank you. I really appreciate that. And let's all root for Yellow Jackets at the Emmys. Sure. Emmys, Melanie fucking Linsky. Give her that gold. Agreed. Agreed. Do you hear that, Emmy voters who who listen to us? Yeah. I assume there's got to be one in that Venn diagram, right? And you, because it's like, you don't, it's a little too, I don't even know if you have show, but like, it's a little scary for you, right? It's not like a scary I, show, but it's like a, it's like an intense show. It's it's a show that I have just had not had a an interest in entering that world. Yeah. Like, I don't know everything yeah, I've seen of it. I'm just there. like, that's not how I, yeah, it's mm-hmm. not how I TV. Yeah. Like, I've wa- I watched all of Rutherford Falls when it came out. That's how mm. I TV. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I Yeah. I couldn't love it more. I, I know it's a it is a perfect everything I know about it, everything I've absorbed. Yeah. It is a perfect show for your like different it, the many different quadrants of your interests. It absolutely somehow shocking. overlap on this like that you get sort of the roommate vibes while also getting teen horror while yep. also getting survival horror. Yeah, while, while also, also getting also some getting Jennifer's like, body. Yeah, I mean, how? So many different yep. things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You love teen girls in a in a teen girl cult. Yep. Uh, Ashley Lyle and Bart Nickerson, thank you. Karin Kusama, thank you. Yeah. It is truly like they read your fan fiction diaries. Like, yeah. The way that they Tina were Belcher- monitoring. They, they culled my tweets. Mm-hmm. And they found. Oh, my God. And there they were. It's true. If if you said to me Yellow Jackets was actually made from feeding an AI yeah. all of Jordan's tweets, I'd be like, well, I haven't seen it, but that makes sense. Yeah, it's even got like six foot gorgeous model Courtney Eaton in it as like oh my a God. burgeoning cult leader. Come on. Jesus. Yeah, no, that's a six, a six foot tall model. Six like, foot. yeah, that Jordan, you guys don't know. Jordan's like, Jordan and I are both short. I'm 5'1". Jordan, you're like 5'3". Four, five, four. Five, four. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Jordan's five, four. So it's not yeah. as if when Jordan's like, she's a six foot tall model. She's six foot nine in heels. When yeah. Jordan's saying <laughs> yeah. this, she's not like, I appreciate this because I am also a tall yeah. woman. Yeah, because like tall representation. Because, no. no, Jordan's saying this because she wants to be stepped on. Because I want to I want to be looking up. I want to yeah. be looking up. I saw one of my favorite tweets I've ever seen was somebody posting screenshots side by side of Joe Rogan's height and Jojo Siwa's height. Yes. And the tweet just said, Joe Rogan's got to look up at Jojo Siwa. <laughs> and I was like, that is fucking amazing. Amazing. <laughs> he's got to look up when yes. he's talking to Jojo Siwa. And I want to look up when I am witnessing the hot models. Yeah. I get it. I mean, I <laughs> This is not from a place of judgment. This is just from a place of like explaining why this is so like why Jordan liking particularly tall Mm -hmm. women is just so funny to me is because specifically of the fact that it's like, well, Jordan is short. I forget that I am shorter. I I forget that. And because like because. I don't. I guess I just entered a phase in my life where I have more tall people around me on average yeah. than I guess I used to because I'm more aware of my height now than I ever was. And I went to a fabulous thirty minute musicals uh, Top Gun performance Great. at a in the basement of a Mexican restaurant 
uh, here in Los Angeles. It was a great time. It was a very gay event. Mm-hmm. And when I was <clears throat> wa- like walking out with my three friends I was with, three gals, and I was, I'm just standing with them around me. And they're, they're tall, but they're not like, they're not like Elizabeth Debicki's tall. But we're talking about like 5'10", five, five, yeah. all of them. And I was like, I'm in a fucking sea of beautiful redwoods right now. Like, how did this, <laughs> I would, I am, and like, and I felt tiny. I was like, oh my God, I am so fucking small in this group. <laughs> if you put, if, and I look very young. So, mm-hmm. like, you took a photo. You put me in, the like, the middle two zone between these three women. I would look like someone's niece from out of town <laughs> who they took to the crazy gay musical. Like, so, like, like I'm a senior in high school, <laughs> yeah. and I came to visit my cool cousin Margot, and she took me out with her friends. Like, it is ridiculous yeah it is a ridiculous like when I'm just standing there and it's just it's a real looking up at everyone around me I'm like this is somehow become a new experience in my life very frequently and it's it's delightful I enjoy it but I've never been so aware of my height as I am like now in my my midding mid to lating 30s yeah it's you you have curated a very tall selection of people around you it turns out you know, that's it, you. You choose. You get to choose your family when you're an adult. <laughs> and Jordan was like, "I choose gazelles." I when I went to a movie where I know the theater manager, and he had like set aside a spot for me and two of my friends who were joining me, and I got there first. And he was like, "Oh, I'll go out and like look out for your friends," and just because he was kind of just like bringing us in and kind of hooking up with the concessions. And he like he was like, "Oh, I'll go and I'll look out for your friends," and I was like, "Okay, they're um." tall and pretty and there's two of them and so I just like was around in the lobby milling around and here he comes walking up to me a few minutes later accurately having assessed them together and was like I found your friends I was like I gave you the broadest description and here you have prevailed look at that that's amazing (laughs) like I just I great news for me that's just everything about that is just excellent an excellent synopsis excellent of curation on my yeah. part yeah living my best life this is why i came to los angeles yeah. you you saw what you basically you saw what taylor swift said did and you were like i want that i want that squad yeah i want that squad and i as somebody who spent years watching the victoria's secret fashion show as like the social event of the season this is the future that i made for myself i manifested you did you did manifest mm-hmm you and Leah Michelle, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one, no one will know the power of that magic but Leah Michelle. Oh my God. Wow. I don't. Wow. I don't know what dark, dark, Star- I don't want to go down that what path. Dark shit yeah. has been, what has been bound for this to happen, for, for Leah Michelle to become Fanny Bryce mm-hmm. in Funny Girl. Wow. Yeah. Un fucking real I, like shouts yeah. problematic figure leah michelle um a- accused of being like a racist asshole co-star on the set of glee yes with apparently the most powerful spiritual magical guide in show business i hey nope i'm not gonna get into nope i'm this is not this podcast right I'm gonna put this away 
We but got an important current event. An important current yes. event. Anyway. <laughs> she already came up once on the pod. So like it's good. You might as well bookend it. Might as well bookend it. Okay. Anyway. Um, so yeah. So Jordan has all those fabulous podcasts. Mm. We were doing our sign off. No, that's we right. We were. We were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were almost going to be gone. Yeah. Um, almost. Almost. Um, so I'm Amanda Smith says on Twitter. And uh, we're disaster underscore pod on Twitter. We're disastergirlspod at gmail.com. Um, please rate and review us. Rate us on Spotify. Put some reviews up for us on iTunes. Share us with friends. Yeah. Tell your favorite. If there's any websites you go to, you're like, oh, they always have an article about podcasts to check out. Do our work for us. We don't have any, we don't have a PR ag- agent. If we're good we're enough for Paul Feig to talk about us in the media, yeah. we're good enough for you to talk about us in the in the media. That's a great if Paul point. Feig can boost us, fucking so can you. Just, you know, remember, just imagine Paul Feig in a really kind of dapper version of the Uncle Sam costume pointing at you saying you can do it. Yeah. I'm not saying Paul has given us permission to say that, but I'm no. assuming that he would say, yeah, that does sound like a thing I would do. And he would, of course, his like free hand would be mm-hmm. holding a, a martini, martini with yes. his... Art installed gin. gin. Exactly. Yeah. With his with his his gin made to his own specifications because the man is a master of the martini. Point being, rate and review us on iTunes, guys. Yep. Rate and review us on iTunes. Bottom line. And we'll um, see you back next week for Surface. For Surface. Let's get back to it. Yes. Bye. That might be cool.com. You never know.